0: this whole idea I've been trying to figure out my whole life about what does it even mean to be yourself? How do we not just know who we are? Why do we have to figure it out? That's bizarre.
1: Hello, welcome to episode one of Fuck Yeah, the podcast where we say fuck yeah to finding your authentic self. I am one of your hosts, Sarah Tom Chesson, and for these first couple episodes, we really want you to get to know us. Today, I am interviewing my co-host, Robin Jennings, who is an artist, a mom, a sexuality expert, and just a really all-around interesting and inspiring human. I'm excited to share this conversation with you, and we're just so excited to have this project off the ground and doing the damn thing. Let's dive into my conversation with the magnetic, dynamic Robin Jennings. All right. I'm so excited to talk to you about some things today. But I want to, I guess, share a little bit first about uh, some of the questions I have for you were actually inspiration for the podcast in general. Mm -hmm. Because years ago, and you may know this, you may not know this, but Christy, our Shared friend, your bestie, Uh shared with me a masturbation technique of yours, (laughs) which of course she did. What an overshare. Yeah. Um, But that's what's, you know, so beautiful and wonderful about Christy. And I then used that in my classes when I was helping people, when I was working in a sex shop. So I'm going to get back to. The story that she told me. Okay, yeah, I'm dying to know. Yeah, yeah. What <laughs> masturbation technique? <laughs> so when I was thinking about the podcasts that I love, mm-hmm. and also what I think is really unique about your teaching style as well, but my teaching style is that there's there's this whole thing around sexuality that. There's not a really good canon of information that's available through more traditional avenues right. to like learn about your body, to learn about like all these things that we just don't talk about. So for me, I have learned so much through storytelling, yes. skill sharing with friends, learning through friends about other friends. And that's information that really sticks for me. Yes. It's like experiential learning. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And like you relate to it in a different way. And so, you know, when I'm teaching, I'm always kind of trying to find ways to make information relatable. And I will take other people's stories and I'll kind of weave them into the material so that it gives people this like touchstone in a class for, oh, now I understand the concept. Right. And it's so queer. So I could like go on and on about like the power of storytelling. I feel like it's healing. It's like integrated into all traditions of oral histories, but that's also just like how queer people gain a sense of community and acceptance. I feel like this is a really fantastic way to learn. I feel like it's a way that I've learned in the most meaningful ways and so when I was like, I feel like I and my network of people have so much relatable and valuable information to share. Yes. I, I would just say yep. to add to that, it is this
0: whole thing of our only sources for learning about sexuality. Um diverse genders and things like that. We're we're getting things from the media, which are often grossly incorrect and harmful at times. Or we're getting it from possibly you had a minimal amount of sex education, but almost none of us had any kind of pleasure or gender affirming education. And so our only way to find this out is through talking to each other and the relief when you find out that someone has something similar that you thought was very weird. Or that somebody came up with an idea that you never thought about that then can change your life or somebody else's. And especially our experience having um, done so much pleasure education and then working on the floor at adult stores. And you hear it from the people on the floor. You relate that to customers. Customers tell you things. And I, it's just, you know, a lot of times it's it feels like people expect us as pleasure educators to... um have done all of these things, or have these like fantastic, crazy sex lives, um, which you know for me, of course.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I was gonna hey! like <laughs> yeah,
0: but um, it, but it is like a lot of just that we hear a lot of tales from people, and um, and then impart those so and pass them along and that's what education is and like you're saying it's an ancient tradition we used to not have the written word or the um, textbooks and all of this stuff and now these things that are still not in textbooks or in the written word we're still passing along and and growing from from that knowledge
1: I mean and I will say like as someone who went to a liberal arts school and just completely devastated my parents by (laughs) becoming a you know, sexuality professional and not in the credentialed way. So I, I also can get very heady and I love analyzing text. And I do think that there's a lot of value in some of the credentialed modalities, Mm -hmm. but in sexuality in particular, there is this divide between like the practitioners Mm -hmm of sex and pleasure and embodied practices. And then the therapists, you know, certain programs to become certified as a sexuality educator don't allow you to do any style of demonstration Hmm. in front of an audience that would allow the audience to project any type of sexuality onto you. Hmm. And for me, when I was At a point in my career where i really wanted to get credentialed because i'm still really caught up in this mainstream culture thing of like you know being official or whatever by the powers that be once i found that out that in order to go through certain programs you have to be intentional about divorcing you any type of sexuality or sexual expression, um, sexual experiences from how you deliver information. I was like, well, this is just bullshit. Right. I can't do that because there is value that I bring from my experience Right. because then I can create a shared experience moment with somebody. And for, I think a lot of people around these topics relating to our bodies, to sexuality, to identity, to queerness, all of this is it's like, you need someone to understand and reflect back to you that you are not alone. Right. And so, like, I think that that's going to bring me back to this story. <laughs> okay. So uh, let's say that is it let's say it's 2008. Oh, boy. It might be 2007. I don't know. Probably
0: 2007. I remember that as the wildest year. Okay. Okay.
1: Yeah. And you're going to have lots of opportunities to say more about that. Okay. So I'm sure we were at the Eagle because you know I was hosting a a event called Shotgun at the time. Amazing event. And yeah, it was so awesome. Mm-hmm. And Christy was there and um known to most people as Sir mm-hmm. at the time. Yeah. Um, because mm-hmm. you and Christy were doming together. That's right. And you were known predominantly as Mistress Mary at That's the time. Right. So it was shared to me that Mistress Mary would use A double dildo, specifically the Tantus fieldo, which I was like, "Oh, the Tantus fieldo," because I had never been able to get down with that toy because it was so stiff and like so hard. Yeah, for the things that I do, like with a partner with dildos, I was like, "Oh God, that thing coming into my body is so imposing; it doesn't mold at all to my curves." Like I'm sort of like, "Oh, the Tantus fieldo. Okay, okay, what is what does Mistress Mary (laughs) do (laughs) with the Tantus fieldo? Please tell me." (laughs)
0: i've not thought about this so
1: so she's like no it's amazing you're gonna love it she inserts the you know giver's side Mm -hmm. and lubes up the dildo that like a couple that was using it for penetrative play would use to penetrate the receiving partner with Mm -hmm. and she jacks off with the tantus fieldo yeah and it's like You've got the like bulbous side inserted in you so then you can like feel it. But it's like she gets really into her cock and it's like connects her to like cock energy. And I had all of those <laughs> light bulbs going off for me where I was like, oh, so many people need this information.
0: Yeah, it, it does that special thing that can happen when you're aroused where you can make believe things and really feel it. Um, which is why like role play works for me so well. Like I'm a terrible actor, but when I'm aroused, I'm a great role player, and that's what it would really connect into me, into with me about like this is um, this is my cock. And this in the biofeedback that it was giving me really just sent it over over for me. And you know my love of like it was a way of connecting. I think with my love of masculinity. Mm-hmm. And getting into that, you know, cock energy and then especially with my, you know, masculine partners would make it so it was just gayer situation because then you can also be fellated, um and have those kinds of sensations as well.
1: Well, and what's so amazing about you specifically, I think most people in our circle when they have met you assume that you are gay. Right. Because you do have this like you you're very in touch with masculinity and it but you also love masculinity and Cox and like all. And it's so it's something that I love so much about you that you are so queer. And yet, you know, I'm sure some people that meet you just think that you're like kind of a regular old het
0: yeah. Mom. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, that's what the weird thing about having kids also is like going and picking them up and chatting up the moms and stuff. But I've actually found like a lot of the moms are weirder than I anticipated. You know, and some of the dads.
1: I think that this is true of light of like yeah. everyone, actually, like yeah. everyone is really a weirdo. And it's a mess that we like we put on these masks <laughs> of like normalcy. I don't know. There's probably some normal people out there. I I guess. I guess. Uh,
0: I feel like if you think somebody's normal, you just don't know them well enough, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I would, we're, we're just, we're, we're mammals that are smart enough to be self-aware, but dumb enough to not be able to be self-destructive. And we're just real weird, real <laughs> so weird. And that's what I love about sexuality is because a lot of that weirdness really shines in sexuality. I mean, when I hear of somebody who has a, a light, fetish that has nothing to do with sex at all. I'm just like, well, fascinating. And that was a big part of being a dom, was just being like, really? Well, good for you. I'm amazed that you get off on that, you know?
1: I will help you with that then. I feel that way too, like where I get so excited about what other people are into. Mm -hmm. And, you know, even sometimes it makes me have like a little bit of imposter syndrome because I'm like, oh, you know, my, my sex is actually fairly like... Uh, I'm not gonna say vanilla because apparently this is a term now that some people are offended by because mm. it suggests that like non-kinky sex is boring which is not true but right. you know I have these moments where I'm like oh gosh well I just I've never given myself permission to be like that expansive and that I'm so happy for you um I, I will also say though I have that
0: feeling You know, and I think that a lot of people don't think, but I have like, oh, you know, Max and I, we just role play. We're not like fisting. We're not, you know, you know, flogging each other and stuff like that. And we're getting into the masochistic things. Or even when I was at the dungeon, I was always like, "Ah," you know, these people are like actually really into it and I'm not as much. And now in retrospect, I'm like, it's just imposter syndrome where you feel like you don't somebody's going to find you out that you're not authentic um but that is the authenticity
1: also yeah the imposter syndrome is part of being authentic yeah yeah it's a thing that I think a lot of people experience I mean I don't know maybe not like cis white dudes I I, with. Yes, I don't I don't <laughs> interact we will have <laughs> but, to interview like, a couple yeah um What's yeah it like yeah yeah <laughs> I like <it> so long. <laughs> Okay, so that was kind of like our. Uh, I wanted to like intro in like why, uh, you know, for me, like I'm doing this, but I also really want to put you through some rapid fire questions. Okay. Because I'm super excited to do this with our guests yeah. too. Yeah. Okay, so you can't overthink it. Okay. So just the first thing that comes to mind. Sure. Yeah. Okay. I mean, you can give an explanation afterwards if you're like, wait, wait, wait. I want to take you that one word answer. No. no. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. okay. All right. Well, hmm. all right, go ahead. Somebody. Okay. Favorite sex act. Well,
0: I would say uh, that's hard because mm-hmm. favorite versus um, go to. Go to sex act. Go to is um, my coming position is the greasy spoon, <laughs> which I only know that term from a book that we had at yeah. The Pleasure Chat. Oh, OK, because yeah, awesome. I don't know okay. what you're talking about. <laughs> so a spoon is like you're spooning, mm-hmm. um, but you're you're having penetrative mm-hmm. sex. So mm-hmm. the thing that, and it that has- is your go to that's my go-to for orgasm. Like when I'm ready to come, if it, and it's not that I only come in that position, but that's like, okay, I'm ready to come. Let's get in this position. Like on your kind of, you know, day-to-day kind of sex, it almost always ends there. Um, because I can be, I always have to be laying on my right side, leg up. Mm -hmm. And then that gives me like just the best clitoral access with my right hand yeah, yeah okay thanks um it has to be your right hand uh yes okay <laughs> for sure i am right-handed all the way and then um and then that also the other thing that i like about that is then um he can do like groping action and neck biting stuff in all of those things the penetration the clitoral the the groping and the neck together sends me over I, and then half the time I pretend that we're having anal sex. Oh, and that's like, and so then you're fantasizing.
1: Yeah. 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 Yeah.
0: yeah. Almost. I fantasize so much that then when I'm sometimes I'll fantasize about the situation that I'm having.
1: Does uh-huh, that make sense? Uh-huh.
0: So like, if I am not fantasizing, which is usually a communal fantasy, which is why we're so into role play. So it's not like a hidden fantasy most of the time, but um, <laughs> then there's like the uh, just sometimes we role play so much that I'll be like, what if we were just like this married couple? <laughs> it's like really into each other, even though it's been over a
1: decade, you know, and, yeah. and um, that can be a whole thing. Oh my gosh. That's so funny. Cause I also role play. I mean, I fantasize about the thing that's happening. Yeah. Or I'm such a serial monogamist. Yeah. I, I like flirting, but i like in terms of like my sexual escapades in my mind they totally relate to my partner that's great yeah it's really it's funny it's it feels you know imposter syndrome
0: <laughs> well, well i would i love that though i i would say like the the look um and and the the like body of of my partner is definitely part of my fantasy it's always involving him but then there's just all of these motivations mm-hmm. it's the role play motivation that gets me and so we're always moving around and a lot of times we're playing with very heteronormative things like we're cheating you know and all of this stuff and and i don't i don't or like sexual aggression and things like that and playing around with like societal ideas or some, or even like celebrity, I'll be like, all right, you're an actor. And I'm like, can't even believe that I get to have sex with you. You know, something yeah. like that. Yeah. But I'm never printing like, oh, he's Paul Rudd or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's always like, it's like Max is the super famous actress that I, actress, <laughs> actor that I'm having, you know,
1: little known fact about you. I was born in Oklahoma. Yeah. Okay. I feel like that's a little non Little. I'm an Okie and you moved around a lot. I moved around a lot yeah. as a
0: kid. So I would say, um, and I also, I would, I come from a very unartistic family and, um, but a very too sexually open family, I would say. So there's weird? no boundaries in my family. So I feel like that lines up with me, but then. I am on such an artistic angle, like, and it was a struggle for me to like break out of like learning how to be artistic. Oh, here's the thing: I come from a very introverted family, and I think most people don't view me as introverted. I think I have introverted um, habits, mm-hmm. but that I'm an I'm an extrovert raised by
1: introverts. Yeah, so maybe that's why I'm like a chiller Leo. But I think I'm still pretty Leo-y. Yeah, I think it depends on the context that someone meets you. Yeah. Uh, I told someone recently about some performance stuff that you do. And they were like, what? And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> um, bad habit. Bad habit. Um, what is a bad habit that I have?
0: I'm sure. Oh, well, I mean, I smoke weed every day. It's <laughs> <laughs> not a bad habit. <laughs> one of those things that I feel, the way I feel about my weed habit is I want to be able to cut it down so that i don't have to completely cut it out
1: yes okay i
0: love it so much yeah that i'm like okay we gotta like have some space so that we don't overdo it yeah but i think i might be beyond
1: that you're walking that line. six months ago what is your go-to i hate guilty pleasure because i don't want us to feel guilty so indulgence mm-hmm. what is your go go-to indulgence
0: um i mean i do i do think it's it's Weed and drugs. Like I am kind of trying all. I realized recently, I'm kind of always trying to change my mood through chemicals, mm-hmm. and so I'm always trying. I'm indulging, and that's why the weed is such a thing. And then you know, you can throw some ecstasy or some mushrooms in there from time, or even just. I'm luckily I, I, I'm not too far into alcohol, but even just like, I'm always like I just want that one beer every day. I want the joint at night. I kind of always want it. I think that's why I get a little bit too into not too into it, but I get into yoga so much cuz I'm like I want this feeling. I'm like chasing a feeling all the time.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, that's that's your bad habit is chasing well, the feeling, I think. Yeah. yeah. And then
0: yeah. and that probably leads to my whole sex thing too and why it's become such a part of my a big mission in life is
1: probably around that feeling chasing thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I had something to say about that, but I want to keep rapid firing Mm -hmm, you. mm -hmm. Uh, Something you learned the hard way. I would say really my, um, about
0: who I am and what my sexuality is. I'm still learning about it. And I do think it's been a hard path Mm -hmm. because there is this aspect of, like you're talking about the kind of queer presentation-ish that I have, I think stems from, so many different things, being in this patriarchal society, being attracted to men, but not feeling like I fit into this like idea of what a straight woman should be. Mm -hmm. Um, And it took me a long time, longer than I would have liked to like kind of find the community that I'm in now that celebrates a diversity of, um, of women's gender expression or a person's gender expression and having that kind of freedom to do whatever it is. And I'm still questioning how much of what I do in my gender presentation is for the people that I'm trying to attract versus who I actually am. I don't know how to parse that. Mm -hmm. Um, It's still I'm working on it.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, oh God, I have so many things I could, We could spend all the <laughs> podcast on these questions. Okay, so I'm gonna, right. we're gonna. It, it's a onion that's gonna unfold. We're gonna talk about all these things okay. as we go. Maybe, maybe, probably not today. <laughs> um, last podcast you listened to? Oh, I was listening this morning to Have a Biscuit Me. Ah, I'm obsessed.
0: Yeah, that's where they, that. It's it's been my comfort over 2020. It's the only podcast I. Well, 2020, 2021, and 22 is like. I just find that I love bad movies and I love the people on that podcast talking about it. And I'll re-listen to episodes and still laugh. And it's just a thing that I can put on so that I can get that chore done again. So I appreciate them being there for me.
1: Mm, Yeah, I know. Podcasts really are there for you. Mm -hmm. It's so nice. I feel that same way about my favorites. What was your first impression when you met me? You know, all right. So I, I know I met you before this,
0: Mm -hmm. but the first time that I really remember an impact um, was it was a shotgun event and there was a pool tournament Uh and playing pool was my way of um, picking people up. So like when I was a kid, my mom had a pool table. I learned pretty well and being female and playing pool is unusual so that was my way at straight bars to go and like pick up dudes because otherwise I was at shotgun um hanging out with with queer people and I'd be like you guys like you know some like dudes right can we like throw me a dude and they're like I don't know any (laughs) um so um so I'd have to go out to the bars and I would play pool anyway on this night at shotgun. You were running a pool tournament and oh, I was like. Did I
1: chastise you? No. Oh,
0: okay, no. okay. And I was like, I am going to crush it because I play pool all the time. I did not crush it. Whereas Christy, so I was like eliminated pretty fast. Christy, who never plays pool, was killing it. But she was super drunk and like she gets real loud and like blah, blah, blah and like all this stuff. And she and it was like the final one. She was in the last game and she kept chatting instead of playing. And I remember seeing you. I think you were standing ne- near me and you were saying to someone else, she just keeps talking and not playing. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I am very controlling. Yeah, this is, this is very me. And I was like, oh, uh, and so I went over to Christy and I was like, dude, fucking play. And uh, and so I kept um harassing her to keep playing because I was doing and I was like this in some ways later like becoming my <laughs> yeah, boss and uh-huh. stuff in this kind of relationship can <laughs> So um, oh. that is really... Funny. So that's my honest, like, first yeah, yeah. yeah. But then things, like, developed over time of me kind of being like, oh, who are the whips? Because you're in this great performance group that I, like, coveted. And I was, how do I get into the whips? And I remember <laughs> a couple times saying, you know, if you ever need another person, like, I'm around. And I remember you going, hmm, okay. <laughs> uh, and I was like, yeah, know, okay, that's cool. So, but I felt like... um Especially after we started working together, and you were my boss, and I had this kind of like idolization around you. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you know this, Mm -hmm. so it'd be kind of like I was always kind of like trying to edge my way into your world a little bit, and and for a long time I felt like you were like, okay. You know, and you're just like, you can come this <laughs> and I <would> like, oh, because <laughs> normally my knee jerk thing is like, if you are not actively interested in me,
1: yeah,
0: my defense system will say, well, I'm not interested in you. So it's mm-hmm. mutual. But with you, I felt like I kind of was chasing you for a little while, which does it's not happen. Like, this is not a thing. I and know. I felt like and I don't know if this is wrong, but I saw like a little bit at work. You were just being like, I'm your boss. We yeah. can only be so close, which I respect. Yeah. But then, after you weren't my boss, then I feel like we got really tight. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Ooh, I'm in. I'm in. So, uh, and now yeah. I feel like, you know, we're building things together and yeah. I feel, like, you know, oh, oh my God, my, um, my kind of persistent gazing at you is paid off.
1: <laughs> this yeah. is a big reveal. Like, I've oh never my gosh, it. I know. Wow. It is so funny when you learn about yourself through other people's eyes. And yeah. that is totally my MO when I was a boss, a quote unquote boss, because, because you were a boss. I- Yeah, well, and I got that job when I was 25 years old. Yeah. So talk about, like, imposter syndrome and, like, coming into an institution, you know, running the pleasure chest that had been around for, at that time, uh, 40 years. And so many people who had been there Mm -hmm. for decades and having to step in and be like, I have ideas. And so, like, my boundaries were so weird in that job. And actually, it's taken me such a long time to, like – um undo that like sense of having to have a persona rather than just being a whole self right like that your work life actually like the whole goal of being on your path is to be authentic right and that was so scary for me there so i was like i i won't be professional if i'm friends with everyone so yeah if i could go back and do it again i think i would do it differently i also wouldn't have been in that job for as long Because I would have been like, oh, no, this, being a boss here sucks. You you (laughs) did it amazing. You showed
0: up put together with your boss face on. And it was like, I mean, it was like a little bit, I was like, damn, Sarah's got it. Damn, she's got it together. Yeah. You know? And so I was like, kind of like idolizing you in that position. And you were younger
1: than me. And I was like, wow, I got to get my shit together. Sarah's (laughs) like killing it. Yeah, I peaked early, and then I realized I don't have it all together. So, Um, But I like not having it together, I think, better. Well, that's authentic. Quote, unquote, had it together, together, you know? Um, Okay, so my first impressions of you. Oh, yeah. I have two. Oh, my God, okay. I have two different ones. All right. Um, The pool tournaments definitely came into play when I was thinking about this. So, like, blacked out teeth. Oh, because you would, (laughs) I would perform, you would black out your teeth when you perform. So this night, the shotgun thing that we're talking about was like a queer performance night. We did lots of different things. There was a comedy night that happened. We did pool tournaments, but there was like a lot of performance that happened, which was just so fun. And so you would beat everyone at pool. Yeah. And... And, like, there was just this, like, spontaneity, creativity, just fire when you got on stage. I can't remember the band that you performed with. That uh, you, Sounds of Astroth. Sounds of Astroth. Okay. You did movement performance stuff with them. And they were a great band. Yeah. But whenever they performed, I could not look at anybody other than you on stage. And we all talked about that. Like we would go and watch them just so we could see what you were going to do on stage. I am so flattered. Right and now. it was just it. like, so it's so funny that we were weird about you doing the whip. So I think it's just because we didn't think of you as being femme and we were so attached to our femness and like so like you didn't come with this like i said you just had this androgynous spontaneous creative energy that just like burst out of you but there was also this like darkness Mm -hmm. that was there and like knowing you now for so long i Realize you were figuring a lot of things out about yourself. Yeah. And I thought you were like super cool and really <laughs> confident. And I found that intimidating.
0: Oh, my God. We were like both intimidated by each <laughs> <Yeah>. other. <Sarah. laughs> Isn't it so silly? It is so silly. Yeah, And I think that's the truth That's it's so hard being in your 20s. Yeah. Also, I mean, every age is difficult. That's so fascinating. And I was really feeling like, I mean, that was the first performing that I had done, really I started doing at Shotgun because I was just like growing up in this introverted family, the idea of going up on a stage was just the worst thing that could happen to you. And so I had to like kind of break through these kind of things that I was taught and and then also the idea that they would want to watch you and then also the idea that you're in this gay space and this queer space and you're not queer, but feeling like so aligned with people there yeah. and feeling finally at home, except for like, I just can't get laid you know, <laughs> in this space. So it's like um, it really shotgun felt like the most comfortable going out space that I had ever encountered where I could be most myself. Yeah. It was the fight. Then thing. at that same time, I would have to go to like Little Joy and shortstop and all this to troll around for you know tattooed boys. And <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It was it was a revelation. Like I did feel like I was coming
1: into my own at that time. Well, you know it's so funny too. And I was thinking about we have a lot of overlap in okay. our upbringing. We're similar ages. And we both moved a lot. Yeah. And I feel like our moms maybe had a little bit of like kind of a similar vibe, mm-hmm. except I was raised by artists. Right. And so, and I grew up in the theater. Mm-hmm. So that was baked into me. And so that pleasure chess person, the boss persona mm-hmm. was my... Like, oh, I have to have it all figured out Mm -hmm. because there was so much chaos. Right. That, like, I can't, I never gave myself permission to really be an artist Mm. because I was like, well, artists really don't have it figured out. (laughs) I'm going to recreate my childhood, which felt very chaotic and felt like I didn't have a lot of control. And so it's like, we have a lot of overlap, but then there's also these like really opposite influences yeah. that are so interesting. That
0: makes so sense, so much okay. sense with what um, coming into the pleasure chest that especially at that time was so chaotic, mm-hmm. and you whipped it into shape. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was like a run- a smooth running machine by the time you left. Yeah. I mean, to an extent.
1: Right, right, right. To to whatever, to what extent certain put, institutions yeah. are going to always. And that's part of like the magic of some things, yeah. too, is that there has to be a little bit of chaos. And, you know, I think for me, it's taken a long time to figure out how to like allow there to be um, controlled chaos or like just like. Just letting go of some of the control because then like, uh, you know, it gives more, especially my daughter has really, really taught me this. She does not want to be caged. Like she just responds to it as if she's being caged. Right. She's like, no, 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 mm-hmm. no, this is not how we're living. And I'm like, oh, there isn't that like, it doesn't have to be one or the other. When the chaos has things to show us. Yeah. You know, so, okay. I want to ask you about your Craigslist days. Okay. uh, Evan dates you like your Craigslist. Right? I know. It's such a, I mean, now I, I have never actually been on a dating app, which is unfathomable now. I just happened to like come of age at a very specific time where it was like right when dating apps got big, I was in a monogamous relationship. And then once I got out of my marriage, it just so happened that like, well, anyways, that's a story for another time. But yes, Craigslist. Right. And I, the reason I want to ask you about this actually is that whenever you have given me advice, whenever we've like gotten really deep and I've come to you for counsel, I am I think that you are an undercover manifester. Mm. Like, I don't know that you would identify yourself in this way, but you have that perfect balance of that, like, really creative, like, fiery spark. And I feel like it gives you a lot of, like, laser focus on what you want. Mm. At least when you have advised me, I feel like you always have really great suggestions because i'm like this pisces who's like i don't know like i'm going with the tides yeah and you always focus it in and when i hear about your approach to craigslist (laughs) i'm like yes that's it right there Mm -hmm. like you manifested the partner that you wanted in your life i know that there was a lot of like Um, (laughs) experimentation before you got there. But like, Mm -hmm. what were those Craigslist days like? And how did you get to the place that you finally did where you like laid it all out on the line on Craigslist and you were like, this is who I am and this is what I want? Uh, So
0: Craigslist started again from Christy. (laughs) Okay. Uh So Christy and I were I don't know, just very single at the same time. And I called it our second puberty, Mm -hmm. which I know a lot of queer people go through because you have this kind of assigned to you puberty. And if you don't agree with that assigning, um, uh, sometimes you figure it out later in life. So I had gotten out of a, a big, bad relationship. And so had she. And that's when we started going to shotgun together and I got kind of immersed in this community that I felt more belonged to. But like I was saying, I had to like go out to find dudes, you know, to have sex with. And so um, she was saying that uh, she's like, you know what I do to masturbate? It's all post on Craigslist, some like nasty whatever fantasy thing. And then I'll masturbate to all of the replies. And I was like, genius, genius. You can get live (laughs) feedback that is not going to harm you in any way, you know. Um, So I started doing that, posting all kinds of like whatever I was like feeling. Sometimes I'd have multiple ones going and, um, and I would masturbate from that. And I was like, this is great. And then after a while, I was like, well, I wouldn't mind hooking up with that guy, or maybe I could meet that guy. But now I posted this thing that's totally not me and irrelevant. So then I started posting more stuff about like, maybe I will, you know, in the first one, I was, I just posted, show me your dick, you know, and, um, one guy sent, I mean, okay, first (laughs) of all, this, if you post it, almost anything as a, is a female looking for males on Craigslist at that time? Not even allowed to now. Um, at that time, I would get literally like within moments, hundreds.
1: Oh my! Of replies.
0: Goodness. Wow. Hundreds. Wow. Well, it doesn't. It my me. my. It would. Bing, Bing, Bing. As soon as I would check one, there'd be another one, and I could just start going through them. I couldn't catch up with it. Sometimes I would take it down just because I'm like five hundreds enough, (laughs) guy. So I would, um, so you know, send me a picture of your dick. You, I have so solicited dick pics, (laughs) and some unsolicited ones, of course. So um, this one guy posts a picture. He sends me a picture, and it was like, I was like, is that for real? It was the it was the largest penis I'd ever seen, and so I was like, um. Maybe I'll just meet up with him and see what that's like. He seemed nice otherwise. So I actually, and I was talking with Christy about it. I was like, how should I even meet up with this guy? And like, how do I not get murdered and all this stuff? And so we decided to, um, that he would have to meet me at Shotgun. So, and then, and we're like, we'll be able to spot him real easy. Yeah. And um, if he's willing to come into that space where I feel super safe, then, and then I can talk to him there and then I'll decide if I'm going to go anywhere with him. And so he did come to that space. Uh-huh. Very easy to spot him. And, um, and so then. On and the, how did he react? <laughs> he was fine. Great. He was fine. And that. so, um, and so then I approached him and I was like, yada, yada. And we talked and then I was like, OK, so I decided to leave with him and we went to his place, which was very close by in Silver Lake. And uh, he had this recording studio. He was like some kind of producer or whatever. We ended up um, having sex on his couch in his recording studio. But seriously, when he brought that thing out, I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Well. It was it was insane. And I was like, I don't know how this would work. And it did work. And it kind of blew my mind. And then I had sex with him one other time. Kind of blew my mind. And then the third time I had sex with him, I was like, eh. all right. Yeah. It's fine. And so but that was that is the guy that broke the seal. So then um I started like just for hookups, just started posting for hookups. And then after a while, I started thinking like, all right, maybe I can actually find, you know, a partner on here. And so my approach for that started being, um, I'm going to post all of the things that are unusual about me, in a long list, and then a- post a few things that I,
1: you know, would like them to have that are unusual. Do you remember anything from this list? Like, what were some of the things that were unusual about you? Can I can I look it up? Yeah,
0: yeah. All right. This is I did a number of these, but this is the one that I got max on. Okay. So I love stop motion animation, singing in my car, Werner Herzog, Don Hertzfeldt, Brester Keaton, Ian Curtis, the silent movie theater, corsets, boas, garter belts, dressing up as a man, dressing up as a woman, making things with my hands, monkeys, walking to neighborhood bars, getting tattooed, playing pool, swimming in pools, water parks, national parks, road trips, distant lands, foreigners, accents uh uncolor coordinating asymmetry kink kinky people queers dykes drag queens glitter mustaches and occasional joint not true anymore yoga dancing and a few other things i'm sure i'm five I'm i'm five six slender and set tattooed and naturally redheaded in my dreams you are over 30 but under 40 athletic Total weirdo, and have spent your adult life exploring and refining your craft, sexuality, and understanding of your world. Extra points for photos, grammaring
1: well, and spelling. Wow. I feel like I just got chills because, like, that would be that would definitely be something for me that if I came across that, it would have so much spark to it. And the photo was a photo of a kitten with milk. On
0: its face, that to me looked like "come," <laughs> and the and the kitten surprised. So that was the photo that I posted with it because I was like, "If I'm looking for you, you need to see this first and respond to that." And Max did.
1: So. Wow! Yeah. Oh, what did he respond in kind with, like, an interesting, well-grammared response? I think he did. I got to, I would have to look up that part. Yeah. But do you remember getting it?
0: I remember getting it. And this is actually the second one that he replied to the first time he replied to it six months earlier. And I had a rule at that point that if they say one thing that I don't like, I'm not responding. And he said one thing. I had said something about finding gay men cute, which in retrospect is probably problematic. And, and he said that, he he didn't find them cute or something. You're like, like you are canceled. Canceled, but he had bright yeah. photos. Oh, and the other thing was he was,
1: he was, oh, he was 40. Mm-hmm. Which
0: is so old. Mm-hmm. And I was 30 at the time. And I was like, I think that's a little bit too old for me because I also was trying not to do the whole like older man, younger woman thing, mm-hmm. which my, you know, dad preys upon so much. And so I was resistant to him, but his photos were super hot. And I was like, well, he's very attractive. But he said that thing about gay men. And then, you know, there's 10 years, 10 years. So then between that six months, I went to India to visit my dad, who was living there at the time. And I spent a month there. I was turning 30. I was feeling aimless. I thought, like, what am I doing with my life? So I went there to visit him for a month. I did not visit him most of the time. Um, I met up with him a few times, but the rest of the time I traveled alone in India. And um, it was eye-opening. It was really a huge experience for me. And so then coming back to L.A., I was like, fucking get it together. You have everything at your fingertips. You have every resource here stop wallowing in it, get a little more focused. Yeah. And that's when I wrote my manifest on what I wanted in a partner. Mm -hmm. And that's when um I got the job at the pleasure chest, which felt like a downgrade at the time, Mm -hmm. but actually
1: was um putting me on the right path. I love that I feel like we have we all have those moments. It's a matter of like tapping into them where all of a sudden like you come to a clearing in your life. Yeah. And you're like, oh, I don't know exactly what the particulars of these next steps are, but I know I'm on headed in the right direction. Or I know I feel my guides. I don't know. Whatever it is, like whatever you're tapping into as far as like source or whatever, yeah. that like you get a little glimpse of like, no, 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 keep going. I'm having that moment right now.
0: Yeah. with um With what I'm doing for work. Because mm-hmm. for the first time, I'm not in a scarcity mindset, which is something that has just aligned in the world. Um, I have the privilege of not um, having to stress about what work I take. I have very little time to work because I'm you know, caretaking for these kids. But in the small amount of time that I have, I have stopped taking work that I don't want mm. and only take the work that I want. Yeah. And I did that a little bit accidentally. I Well, not accidentally. I did that for my mental health because I was starting to lose my mind around the stressors of the past really eight years for me have been rough. And it's been, you know, rough for all of us the past three and even before oh, just so many things yes. that have happened. Yeah. So I, I got into this. Um, space where I'm like I don't have the mental capacity to take on the kind of work that I used to, and I scaled back and I started only taking the work that I really wanted, and now that work I do feel like is coming at me. Yeah, in a way where I'm like, this was part of this thing. It's like saying <sighs> no—the power thing. of saying
1: no. This, yeah, yeah. It's really, really interesting how I think that that's woven into so many different like modalities mm-hmm. of teaching and ways of being where like once you start saying no like closing doors it just means the right doors are going to open and that makes me think also of like what happened with you and max like what is meant for you will find you as long as you're clear and you have said to me that you could not have imagined the life that you like you knew what you wanted but that what actually came out of that union of Mm -hmm. you and Max was beyond something that you could have visioned. Yeah. And I wonder, especially like, you know, in the context of having just had this conversation where we went kind of far back, Mm -hmm. do you feel like life has happened to you? Or like, have you really just like gotten onto your path stuck to it and like built what you have?
0: That's a good question. I would say maybe neither. Ooh, yeah. Okay. Other. (laughs) Yes. Cause I don't think that I actively think about it that much, but I do think that I have always strived to be my most authentic self. Mm -hmm. And in that vein of, I think that is what's been leading me along. And I've only recently realized it. So with the work that I've been doing recently, I feel like I got the sense recently, this is my calling. I'm doing my calling. But every time I tell people that, they're like, yeah, dude, obviously. Like, how do you know that's not what you should be doing? And I'm like, I think it's because since I was a teenager, I started on this angle of like trying to just really be me. And because when I was a child, I really was trying to be who I thought people wanted me to be. Mm -hmm. And I failed at it dramatically, (laughs) dramatically was not good at it. And, um, and what, and I gave up that idea when I was a teenager. And I was like, fuck this. And I was, you know, a riot girl. And I was shaving my head and, and putting black lipstick under my eyes to go to school. Um, because I was trying to like, obviously join a certain tribe that Mm -hmm. are saying fuck Mm -hmm. this. But at the same time, I started trying to repel people instead of attract them. And that's when the people that I love started coming into my life. That's when I started getting good friends. Mm -hmm. And I think, Part of what I would do with like painting the teeth black. I would do it, at, <laughs> I, I would do it, it would be a performance, but then I was like, I'm just going to do it to go out. And I would do it at the straight bars sometimes too to test myself. I'm mm-hmm. Like, I'm going to paint my teeth black and then I'm going to smile at people <laughs> at the bar when they want to buy me a drink. And if they get scared away, then I know that that wasn't a good candidate. If they find it
1: interesting, then that's somebody maybe I want to talk to. And yeah. now you're in this place where you have you always wanted kids. Mm -hmm. You have a kick-ass partner, husband, Mm -hmm. (laughs) technically. Yeah. And you do creative work that is entirely focused on sex positivity and feminism. Yeah. But I'm starting to rearrange my
0: brain around, we're not a top-down kind of creature. We're a bottom-up creature. So this whole idea I've been trying to figure out my whole life about what does it even mean to be yourself? How do we not just know who we are? Why do we have to figure it out? That's bizarre, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So, and I think the reason is, is that our logic brain is working for our animal, brain, body, whatever you want to call it. So it's the body and in our in our deep core is informing the logic brain and the logic brain's trying to figure that out. I feel like I've just been letting that kind of intuition lead me down or going where I feel comfortable. Mm. Part of why I was a dom was I, I felt comfortable in that space with all of those women and it was a way for me to work out what it even means to be a woman and how to find power in that. And then with the teaching, it's like, Pleasure education just gave me this outlet where I can talk about all the things that you're not allowed to talk about in other spaces. So I stayed there because I'm comfortable. I love making things and I'm pretty good at it. And I get a lot of accolades from that. I don't actually want to keep the things I make. I want to give it to somebody and have them be very happy with it. And that's what gives me the like the feeling. So I think it's just chasing that, it's chasing that feeling of being comfortable. Of going after the things that I think are important. The same thing with like chasing sex. Like I'm constantly like trying to find what else is on this journey because it seems boundless what you can do with your sexuality. And it's gone from, you know, just so many different avenues that I've been able to pursue. But I guess it's all in that search for the feeling. The kids are about that feeling. Like mm-hmm. I wanted to have that love relationship that you that seems so and is so particular towards having a child and caring for them.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So I think I'm just a feeling chaser, and it's led me here and not denying those feelings. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Suit of a warm, fuzzy feeling.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that is your approach to life. Yeah. I love it. I think yeah. that's great. <laughs>
0: Sarah. I'm human. So uh you want to do a wait what? Oh yeah. Okay. Let's do it. All right. So uh you know dini Uh-huh. dini Weenie bouncy balls. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Our good friend and uh resident weirdo. Uh so he was telling me about something, and I want him to tell you a little bit about it. Are we getting him on the phone? Yeah, I love it. Oh, come, okay. on. come on, hi Dean it's um it's Sarah and Robin how are you good. <laughs> okay. so um I want you to tell uh well first Sarah um we're gonna Dini's gonna tell you about ruined orgasm porn okay all right what do you think ruined, ruined
1: orgasm, orgasm porn is is so like Someone surprise interrupts the scene or something terrible happens, like it starts, you know, like the bathroom upstairs starts... (laughs) Pouring water into the room. Yeah, everything has to stop. My first
0: thought was your vibrator runs out of juice. Oh, okay, well that's yeah, that but, but that's not
1: very porn-like. I guess that's not. pretty average. I guess not. <laughs> that's
0: just a difficult day. Okay, so um Dini, what is ru- ruined orgasm porn? Yeah, no, that's exactly what it is. But you're you're taking it to a level that's pleasure. Like you know,
2: when you get a ruined orgasm, then it's you know, it's a disappointment. And you're going to use that disappointment to basically get off. So, you know, they'll either have, you know, if there's first-person porn out there that they're called jack-off instructions, where you, the viewer, are jacking off while this uh, woman or dominatrix is looking right at the camera, and instructing you what to do. Oh really? Jack off. They'll tell you just a little bit of edging, a little bit of tease and denial. Lot of humiliation, and then right at the point of climax, like if you're like one or two strokes short of climax, they order you to stop, or if they're doing it, they take their hands away, and you're stuck there just before climax. And what happens is you're lucky you will squirt out unprovoked, you just your body just twitches. Cock just twitches, and if you're just, you know, going out without being milked anymore. If you're if you if it's failed, then
0: you're you're not squirting
2: out, but you're just kind of leaking
0: out. I <laughs> totally <thoroughly> ruined orgasm. <laughs> right, so I was like,
2: you know, please let me come, and then it's like
1: no. So the <laughs> the excitement around that is that you might actually have the orgasm. But some of the time you just don't and so you're just left with your ruined orgasm? Your blue balls, yeah. Sometimes it's you know, it's a total power exchange
2: watching a porn and having the mistress instruct you what to do and maybe you do not deserve it today. You're gonna be left. It's not it's kinda of like the hope for the next time. You know, it's not like I mean, you know, I could imagine if you're constantly tonight and that could get old, but you could be a chastity have a reward and then you could jack off but then you can't finish maybe next time and and they have like these porn sites that are similar where it's like if you come before the end before i command you to then you have to stop and you have to watch this tomorrow (laughs) so so it's like you have to invest in it i'm going to go all in I'll
0: do what you say. Right for it to pay off, and that's that's what I really love about it. Is like you are so um, you are invested and devoted to these people that don't know you are not specifically talking to you, but you're playing the game that they've set up. Um, exactly. It's so interesting. You're a fascinating person.
1: Yeah, Dean, we're gonna be circling <laughs> back with you. We're doing a full interview with you soon. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a whole other chat. Yeah. <laughs>
0: All right. Well, thank you so much, Dini. We appreciate you taking the time to tell us about ruined orgasm
1: porn. Bye. Bye. I love that. I went to a place. I'm so dating myself mm. already in the porn world that I have a narrative that has to be playing Definitely. out. And he's like, "No, no, no. You have it all wrong. <laughs> yes, yes. This is just first person staring in the camera. Someone instructing you, and because you're so bought into that." Total power exchange, that dynamic, that like wish fulfillment getting, you know, withdrawn, which then makes it even better when it Mm happens. That there is no narrative, there's no production that's happening around this. This is just a dominant in front of the camera.
0: Yeah. I mean, I guess I would argue that that is a narrative in a way. Like when I would do Dom sessions, I always like, felt like it was right, this right, right, arching narrative. But yes. with this, you really don't know what the ending will be. Yeah. And I love that he talked about hope. Mm-hmm. You know, it's such like a human condition kind of idea that you're like, maybe this will be the time that I'll be able to go far enough to actually yeah. have the orgasm, yeah. even though I cannot continue stimulating myself. Or maybe this is going to be the time where I'm going to have to be patient and wait.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's so, and he constantly fascinates me because he brings, he always surprises me. I've known him for like 20 years and will come up with these new things almost every time that I meet him or he'll wear a ridiculous, but fascinating kind of outfit that I wouldn't have predicted. Um, And I just love him so much. It's such a great, he, he brightens up my world with perversion (laughs) on a regular basis. He's out there searching it out.
1: Yeah. That's the thing that I think that people can pull from kink, mm-hmm. you know, even if they're not kinky, is just that investment of kinky people to continue to explore fantasies yeah. and keep eroticism alive. Like it's like a, it's pressing for kinky people to be mm-hmm. able to continue to maintain a connection to their sexuality. Yeah. And their fetishes and their kinks and the power dynamics and you know for the for the rest of the world to kind of think about oh what would it be like to continue to prioritize and invest in my sexuality mm-hmm. you know like we would be more our whole selves yeah 100 percent. and also seeing
0: sexuality and things that are not overtly sexual yes that's what I love about kink as well is where you can, you know, feet are sexy, clothes are sexy, power dynamics are sexy, leather is sexy, whatever, like you can transform your world into a sexy space through kink.
1: Yeah. Everybody else experiences that as new relationship energy, mm-hmm. that erotic mindfulness right. comes in when they're in an erotic, you know, like a moment in their life, whether that is like their early 20s and they're exploring and they have permission to do it and it's normalized or whether it's like they've gotten into a new relationship and then all of a sudden sex is every you know like the person who makes your coffee turns you on right. and the scenario at the at work suddenly becomes like a hot dynamic that you get to explore in the bedroom with your new partner yeah and kinky people find a way i mean not all but people like dean yeah find a way to just exist in that mindset more of the time than not
0: yeah i mean imagine how different the world in the day-to-day is for him
1: mm-hmm.
0: it's just everywhere like uh yeah. you know he has a bank teller insult him and he's like it's made his day you know <laughs> what i mean
1: yeah thank you wow I
0: think we did it. We did it. I I loved the Yeah, I'm really happy to do this with you. Me
1: too. yeah, thank yeah. You for inviting me. Oh. <laughs>
0: I'm glad I weaseled my way into
1: your life. Fucking <laughs> you'll
0: always be my favorite boss.
1: Wow. Well, you'll be able to put me on the hot seat next time. I can't wait. <laughs> can't
0: wait. I got some idea.
1: Okay. All right. Amazing. knocking them out of the park fuck yeah podcast is produced and hosted by me sarah tom chesson and robin jennings theme music is produced and performed by she her sir you can find out more about what we're up to at fuck or reach out directly at f at gmail.com if you're enjoying the pod give us a hand rate review, subscribe, wherever you listen, and make sure to share it with a few friends. Thanks so much for tuning in.